Welcome to Living the Dream Acting the Podcast. A podcast for actors, by actors, about acting. And here's the host, Christina Kipper Halstead. Hi, and welcome to episode three of Living the Dream Acting the Podcast. I'm your host, Christina, and on this podcast, I feature interviews with actors, writers, directors, and everyone involved in the performing arts from stage to screen, including those artists like myself who live in the regions outside of New York and L.A., where the rules of the business can sometimes be a little different. The main goal of this podcast is to create community, learn from other artists, and share inspiration with others. Please join in our community by leaving a comment on my website, livingthedreamacting.com, or by liking us on Facebook and leaving your comments there. In this episode, we leave the Phoenix, Arizona area and head to Las Vegas to interview professional singer and actress Janine Valentine. She was voted Best Local Thespian by the Las Vegas Review Journal and Best Singer by the Las Vegas Sun. Please stick around for that while we do a little catching up. I'd like to start by giving you a heads up as to the release schedule of this podcast. I will be introducing you to a new guest every month with back-to-back episodes with that guest, and then always a little break in between before we introduce the next guest. I just wanted to let you know what the release schedule will be so you'll know when to expect new episodes. And since the last episode in this two-week period, I have been stalking local filmmakers. Don't worry, I'm not actually doing any freaky drive-bys or calling them at 3 a.m. and waking them up. What I have been doing is researching who's who in my area and trying to figure out which directors and producers are doing the kind of work that I would like to be a part of. The internet and social media has made this possible in ways that we were never able to do in the past. I can find out who's who, watch shorts, clips, and features on their websites, and I can follow them on Facebook and Twitter and reach out and make contact. I can introduce myself before they've even met me in person or seen me. I can get to know them, they can get to know me, and I can start to build relationships. So I've been sort of trying that out and beginning that process. And as I was saying before, the point of this podcast is to create community. So contact me on the web and let me know what you're up to. What's inspiring you? What are you working on? You can follow me not only on Facebook, but on Twitter at Artist Dreams. That's at Artist underscore dreams. And reach out. Let's connect. I would love to hear from you. And if you have any questions that have come up as you've been listening to the guests, Let me know what they are. Maybe I can find out the answers for both of us. And I look forward to hearing from all of you. Okay, let's get on with the interview. I am so excited to bring you this interview with Janine Valentine. She is an award-winning actress and singer who's traveled the country performing with symphony orchestras and starred in three world premiere musicals. In this first episode with Janine, we cover the value of the college experience, New York cattle calls, dealing with multiple Broadway callbacks, and more. Here's Janine Valentine. 
Well, thank you, Janine, so much for um, coming on the show. I'm really excited to have you, actually. I've been thinking about having you on right from the beginning when I was first planning this. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Christina. I love doing stuff like this. I know it. So um, usually what I like to do is just start from the very beginning and just get a sense um, for our audience of, what your story is. So if you could tell us like where you were born and how you first sort of fell in love with performing. Wow. That's a long story. Um, born in, uh, in the suburbs of Buffalo, New York. Um, not going to say when. <laughs> <laughs> just say I have a couple of wise ears on me. Um, and uh, I was a really shy kid. I, I'm the youngest of three girls and I was, you know, the baby, so I was really, really shy, which is opposite of usually the baby's kind of, you know, crazy and out there, which I am now, but I'll tell you how I grew this. <laughs> um, and my, my parents were actually leasing, they had a, um, they had a store, they had a, a complex or whatever in Buffalo, and they were leasing to, um, David Dingley Dance Studio. So any, any Western New Yorkers will know that name because it's, you know, very, very prominent dance studio. And, uh, so to get me out of my shyness, my other two sisters were already taking dance. So, so to get me out of my shyness, they were like, let's throw her in dance. So at five, I started dancing, like tap and jazz. And uh, and I, that's when I first fell in love. And like my very first recital, like I decided I was about five and a half. And I was front and center, of course. I looked to the right and the left of me. And the kids, I was I literally on stage. We have this footage somewhere. I looked at them and I go, you are doing it wrong. Follow me. <laughs> And my parents were like, oh, no. So that I started to come out of my shyness <laughs> at that point, which may have been too soon. But uh, <laughs> no. I, um, but then I, you know, I just, I always, well, I mean, music has always been a huge part of my life. I used to fall asleep. I couldn't fall asleep unless I had music playing. Um, so I used to, you know, that all the time. And it was it was like Barbara Streisand and Whitney Houston, which were two, like, completely opposite but if you put them together, you get me. So that's, I know that's an interesting thought, you know, an African-American Jew, but that would be me. <laughs> and, can I say that? Is that an edit right there? You can say that. No, um, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> With all due respect, that's, yeah, that's, so that's how I kind of cultivated my style, I guess you could say. And uh, just going through school or just, still dancing and, and all that stuff, and then I got into cheerleading, and that was another avenue of performance, and I absolutely loved that, and I won, like, you know, gold awards and stuff like that, cheerleading all over the country, which, you know, was another form of dance, so, and I didn't really start singing until I was about 15, think, well, no, I lied, maybe like 13, I started singing, it was like, um, oh yeah, 13, it was uh, my eighth grade graduation, actually, and uh, they, in, in my course, they wanted a couple of soloists for the graduation and I raised my hand and I was like, you yeah, know, whatever, I'll give it a shot. And uh, I, was, I was like the cancer, like, hallelujah. And uh, my aunt turned to my mom and she goes, who's that angelic voice? And my mom was like, that's your niece. So from there it was like, well, we need to get her voice lessons and we need to get it. So from there it just kind of exploded. And I went after, I started voice lessons at 13, which is late by today's standards. You know, my daughter is actually taking voice. She started when she was seven or eight, and now she's 11. So definitely grooming the kids younger and younger. But here I am going, yes, it's voice lesson time. You're going to be a doctor, right? <laughs> <laughs> like this profession has been, I've been very blessed to 
have my whole career in show business, but it's really not something I would choose for my child because it's, it's many are called fewer chosen and there's a lot of rejection and heartbreak in it. So I would not choose it for my kids because I want my children, of course, to grow up in a perfect world and be perfect. Yeah. That's not going to happen either. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be the one that's going to be rejected again. <laughs> um, so when, so, when did, did you know when you first started dancing and all that? Were you just kind of doing what, um, you know, your family was directing you to do? Or did you really, did it really feel like, yes, I love this and I want to keep doing this? And I loved performing. Like, dancing was, was cool and I enjoyed it, but I, I just loved the performance aspect. So, you know, going to classes every week, I was like, oh, God. Like, that was laborious to me. Even though now I look back and it was... A, obviously a necessity because you need the basics but I would be like ah. the minute you know we were practicing for recital and my light bulb would go on and I was like oh yeah let's do this I yeah. needed I wanted the, the lights and the you know the makeup and, and all of that I looked forward to the final products more so than the process right this is a lot of them actually in my life but um I wish I could look forward to the process more that would be actually some good advice I would give people the process is so necessary. I mean, it, grow, it builds not only your, you know, your talent and, and your and your genre and, and your strengths as you go, you know, go along in your dance and acting and singing, but it, it builds you your character as a human being as well. So enjoy the process, definitely. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take my own advice from now on. Okay. <laughs> so um, tell us. So, I know at one point you you were very, not even out of high school and you um, were had a song on the radio. Can you tell us about that? I did, yeah. So when I when my parents figured out I could sing, you know, they put me in voice lessons and I would literally take voice lessons. I would take like six months with a, a professional jazz singer and then I'd go, okay, I've learned everything I needed from that person, so now I need somebody else. And so I was fortunate enough to have, you know, jazz singers give me voice lessons and opera singers and classical and musical theater and pop and I... I accumulated all of these great skills from all these genres of music, which has been absolutely my bread and butter here in Las Vegas. To be as diverse as I am has, has been a godsend. So that being said, I did the circuit of, of vocal instructors, and somebody said, you know what, they hooked me up with uh, um, a, a, produ- a record producer, a local record producer in Buffalo, and they said, you know, just, you know, just made the introduction. So this girl's got, you know, she's very gifted. At that time, I think I was like 15. Um, you know, do you have anything? Can you do anything with it? Any projects? So there was actually um, a, a guy named Kenny Kaufman in Buffalo, and he was noted, noted for writing jingles. But he had a couple of pop songs. So we, you know, sang for him, and, and my parents and I, we, we, he played a couple of pop songs, and we said, oh, let's do this one. So I ended up recording one of his pop songs. And then we were shopping it around. My father, who's a furniture salesman, God bless him, was shopping it around <laughs> and uh, brought it locally to Amherst Records, White and Silver. Um, I was responsible for Doc, uh, Doc Everson, who was, not, you know, with, uh, what was it, The Late Show or Last Show? One of those shows. I don't watch TV, sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, he was on one of those shows forever and a day. And Glenn uh, Medeiros, who's, you know, huge, late 80s. Anyway. Um, so brought it locally and, and uh, they actually signed me and, you know, the, it was a huge, huge hit in Western New York. That's about it. That's where that went. <laughs> and I was 16 when that was released and it's, you know, Battle of the Songs and all that stuff. And, I mean, obviously, it really 
amazing and wonderful. But at, at, at 16, I was like, this is it. I'm going to be a huge star. So all these years later, I'm going, what's happening there? <laughs> so it's, it's definitely a learning process. And uh, I've, I've, that, I've just continued to strive for, you know, want to be better. I, I need more knowledge and I need more training. And I've just, I never stopped trying to, you know, better myself. Because I think if I stop trying to better myself, A, I will probably keel over and die, and, and B, you know, my, my purpose on this life, on this earth would just, I, I, I don't know what else it would be besides my kid. Yeah. You know? Which is important, but there's that other part of us, obviously, that we're supposed Absolutely. to, you know, fulfill uh, more than just that purpose. But yeah, mm-hmm. I get that totally. So, uh, so w- this is um, teenage years, and then I know you went and got your degree, obviously, because I was there with you. <laughs> so tell, share, um, yeah, share the story of uh, of college and um, and that uh, that learning experience for you. Well, I, it's really I'm so split in the middle, and I'm be, I'm just speaking from the heart right now. College was interesting. Um, I loved, more so than, you know, get, I, obviously the Bachelor of Fine Arts, so just, you know, going through, as you can attest to, Christina, we had line class and speech class, and uh, as yeah. well as acting and dance and, and voice, and, you know, we had, really had the whole gamut. It was really such a, a great, complete uh, you know, instructional course in terms of, you know, encompassing everything in theater. You know, we had, we were responsible. I ran a spotlight in freshman year and I was like, this is baloney. But I did it. <laughs> um, I was a stage manager too and I was like, well, who, who has this job? You know, I was, yeah. I was like, I'm a spotlight hog. Yeah, you and knew I it. And the backstage, I was like, well, blah, 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 backstage. You know, it really did not interest me at all. Um, and it still doesn't. <laughs> And yeah, you appreciate you appreciate the work done backstage. You just know it's certainly not my calling. It's it not really, for you. That was hard work. Yeah, I mean, that's harder work than being in front of the, the lights and the people, in my opinion. So. Right. Yeah. But um, just insert there too that I mean, at, at our particular school, it was also a full liberal arts component. So it was tr- it was trying to be that. yeah more than being immersed in in. The arts, I really did. Like, I, I felt like, I mean, I, I know I had a natural skill. Obviously, your natural talent needs to be honed. But I really loved going to, like, psychology class and mm. and uh, and philosophy. And I, I, I'm I glad that it was a liberal arts school. I really am. I don't know if it, you know, just would have been singing, dancing, song and dance if, it, if I would have like, gotten as much out of it. If you would have gone to a conservatory. Um, program as opposed right. to yeah this was sort of exactly. like liberal arts degree and conservatory all smashed together because we were extremely busy wow. yeah we were I mean, never we had, had a moment more, to breathe like credit hours in one semester or something yeah and normal people do six yeah yeah four or five yeah mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was, it was intense it was pretty intense and uh never gained the freshman 15 because of that that was good oh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was that was pretty intense but now I look back, and like I said, I'm pretty split down the middle in terms of, you know, it was an expensive college, Niagara University. And it's like, should I have taken that money and, you know, just gone to New York and put that money into dance class and voice class and acting class in New York? And where would I be now if I had done that? Mm-hmm. But I, I have no regrets at all regarding my education. But I, I do think about, hmm, there's a lot of money that 
mostly my parents spent. Right. You know, would I have been better off, you know, investing instead of, you know, and, and just like an apartment in Manhattan, whatever, and really immersing myself in that, you know, that community is such a tight knit, you know, to break into that community really does take, it could take many years. So I don't know. Yeah. I really have like, Hmm, we should, should I have done that differently? But obviously I don't have any regrets, but I do think about what if, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, but you did, I mean, obviously you did get a lot out of it and you did, um, uh, you know, appreciate the experience and, um, and you graduated from there and we won't say when, uh, Oh. I graduated cum laude, which was uh, awesome. my very proud because that was the only, the only my 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 generation was the first to go to college, and then I was the first to graduate with honors. So my parents were beaming with pride. And yeah, I love that. I mean that that keeps coming up. You, you had that you had a lot of family support, which um, is wonderful. Not everybody has that, and uh, I, I did, but I also had. They were, they were always there for me supporting my choices, but I always had my father in the back of my head, who's a very practical man, going, maybe you should have, maybe you should double major or even minor. Because I have always been interested in like communication and journalism. That was always my other thing. You know, mm -hmm. that's probably what I would have done had I not been, a, you know, entertainer. Well, which is a form of entertainment. But right. my father said, maybe you should, you know, double major or minor in that so you have something to fall back on. And I remember thinking really hard about that. I was like, wow, he's right. I should have something to fall back. And then a light bulb went on one day, and I went, you know what, Dad? If I have something to fall back on, I'm most likely going to fall back. Hmm. So I'd like to just keep moving forward, if that's okay, you know? And they were like, all right, go for it, you know? And he was the one that gave me the expression, many are called, few are chosen. And I said, Dad, I'm chosen. I know I am. I'm chosen. I just feel it in every bone in my body that I'm, I am chosen. And I didn't obviously know to what degree because back, you know, when I was in college, 2021, I was like, I am going to be on a soap opera and I'm going to star in major motion pictures and I'm going to be on a sitcom and I'm going to be on Broadway. And, I'm, and I, I had all these plans for myself, you know, at 20 and never once was it, I'm going to be a star in Las Vegas. <laughs> like that never even entered my mind as a possibility. Right. Ever. <laughs> so, and uh, that's an interesting transition. Um, and I know that that's a, a great story too, but so let's go from you're graduating from college and I know you, you went right to New York. Is that correct? I, well, no, actually I spent, um, I did a couple of like community theater uh, shows um, in Buffalo. I did the Rocky Horror Picture Show and I did Hair. Um, a musical, which is where I met my very best friend of over two decades, uh, who's in Vegas with me now, which I love. And um, and then I had my first audition uh, in in Manhattan with my very best friend Jennifer uh, Rosen, who's from Chicago, New York. <laughs> and we took a train. We took an Amtrak. I remember, our, you know, our parents dropping us off, and you know, we should have videoed this. Like, kiss goodbye, good luck, you know, break a leg, all that stuff. And we took the Amtrak train to Manhattan and made our way, I think we were maybe 21 years old. I, I, being a parent now, I would have flipped out. Even at 21, I would have been like, you're not going anywhere without me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, off we went, and I auditioned. My first audition was for Starlight Express, which was the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical on roller skates. Holy cow. And uh, I booked it, and it was in Las Vegas. So 
I never even got a chance to live in New York because I booked the show and I was like, sure, I'll take it. Why not? Because, oh. you know, all of a sudden I was going yeah. on my own and paying my own bills. And, and this was, uh, this was big money back in the day, you know, I was like, wow. Yeah. So, um, so I did and I, and they moved me to Vegas and I actually lived at the Las Vegas Hilton for four months while I did the skate training. And it was grueling because we had eight, we had eight and nine hours of skate training a day. And anyone who's been through, you know, anything, it was, it was like, I think there's still a PTSD from it. It was <laughs> because our feet were like bloody and raw and swollen. And then you'd go home and you'd sit in a, in a tub of, you know, Epsom salt and cry. And um. then you'd go to sleep and you'd sleep like the dead. And then you'd end up have to wake up with your bloody swollen feet and do it again. And it was like, why am I doing this again? Really? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I really need to be putting myself through this. And I actually had um, skate training with a young man who had done boot camp. He had been in the army, and he said, <laughs> "And I can't. I mean, this is these are just his words. I don't think that I it couldn't possibly be true. It was just heat of the moment. But he was like, this is harder. Skate camp, skate training is harder than boot camp. And I was like, there's no way. <laughs> But at the time, he felt it, you know? I mean, it was that, like, oh, yeah, it was so much just stress and uh, bodies, and I couldn't, I was, like, 100 pounds. I could not keep any weight on, and I was eating, like, a whole pizza. Mm. It was, like, it was crazy time. Well, and you're having major workout. Your whole day was a oh, workout. Yeah. So, yeah, that how could you? Yeah. <laughs> so, pretty okay. intense. Yeah. And then after that, I, I did that for about a year and a half, and then after that, I was like, okay, now I want to go to New York. I want to be in Vegas. It's 120 degrees. Who wants to live here? This is ridiculous. You yeah, know? yeah. You run from one air-conditioned building to the next. Like, this is not a way to live. Because I moved out in, on, like, July 3rd. Yeah. Back in the 1900s. Yeah, it's like that here in Phoenix, so I understand. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like that right it's now. Modern Phoenix. Yeah. Modern Phoenix. There's no industry. What do you do out there? Anyway. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> talk I, later. I we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Go ahead. This is about you. Go ahead. <laughs> But then, yeah, I moved, so I moved to uh, to New York, and I lived there for about nine months, and I was like, what? I didn't understand. Now I'm moving in the, you know, the exact polar opposite climate, and it's, you know, snowstorms, and, you know, I'm waiting. This is the time when, if you were um, equity eligible, you would have to wait in line to sign up for the audition with no guarantee of being seen. So... For nine months, I would, you know, have to wake up at, you know, five, six in the morning to catch the bus because I lived in Weehawken, New Jersey, to catch the bus into Manhattan to wait in line to sign up for the audition. And I was, like, getting really perturbed because I, 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 like, I, I need to sing. I, what is this sign up for an audition and then you may not be, I, I'm trying to work in my craft here. I have skills, people. And everybody else thinks the same thing. You know, how do you stand out? And, you know, at that time I had my little, you know, my brown hair and brown eyes and I looked like every other New York little girl. So I didn't stand out at all. And, you know, vocally, if you were even seen, you were lucky. You know, but then you had to make friends with the casting directors and you had to be seen time and time and time and time again and get in with their little Broadway clique. There is a clique there. And I don't, I've never been a... Um, a butt kisser, I don't know if I can say the A word. I've never been a, a, a butt kisser. Like, I am who I am. I shoot from the hip. I speak from my heart. And I don't show people very, very well. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a nice human being. I'm a great human being. But I, I'm not like, 
Wow, you are so fascinating. I don't make stuff up. Yeah. Just like, yeah. I, I, I don't, I've never been very good at doing that. I've had to get better at it living here in Vegas, but it's still like really like, I, I just want to be true to my, who I am. So in, in, in New York, you got to do a lot of that. And I was like, ooh, not good at this, you know? Mm-hmm. So one day I woke up and it was like a snowstorm and there must have been two feet of snow on the ground, which is nothing I know for Buffalo, but at the time, at nine months into my, or eight months into my, my living in Manhattan and having to take a stinky bus into the city to sign, to wait in line to sign up for an audition. So I go and the line is literally like around the block. And I was like, where's the, where's the front of the line? Like, oh, it's around there. And I was walking, looking at all these people just bundled up because it was, it was still snowing and there was still two feet of snow on the ground and people are freezing and sneezing and trying to warm their voices up outside and, you know, 15 below. And I literally was the line for, to sign up for an audition, not to audition, to sign up. So the audition was still next week. Mm. Was around the block and I went to the front of the line and I looked at these people and I went, you all want this way more than I do. And they turned around, and I went back home, and to the, the man I was living with at the time, and I said, "I want to go back to Vegas. I don't, I don't, I don't like the process here. I go, these people want it way more than I do. I don't believe in standing in, you know, wind, sleet, snow, slush for two, three hours to sign up for an audition that's next week that I may not even be able to attend because I'm trying to wait tables to make a look." I was like, I'm over this. You know, I'd already had a taste of, you know, performing in the professional world in Las Vegas. And I was like, let's go back there. So I actually moved back and uh, I called Las Vegas, the production of Starlet Express. I go, hey, I'm back. Do you have any opening? And a couple months later, they called me and they said, um, do you want to come back? And I was like, yeah. So they hired me back and almost double my salary. <laughs> Which I was like, wow, I'm great. Like, what? Yeah. The phone broken? Um <laughs> And I finished out their contract, their run in Las Vegas. I did another, like, nine months at Starlet Express, and then the show closed. And then I've been in Vegas ever since. And I've been working nonstop ever since then. And the only time I stopped working was when I was, I was seven and a half months pregnant with my first child. And I went to my boss, and I was, I was, I was singing with Clint Holmes at the time at Harris, who's a major headliner and, you know, celebrity in Las Vegas. And, um... All, just all around great guy and um, and I was like I'm, I'm really tired <laughs> I'm like this is really taking a toll on me seven and a half months pregnant with this big old belly and he goes I think it's time I think you should take you know take leave and come back when you're ready but we're gonna miss you and so we got another go this up for me but yeah I went home who's from um, he's from Western New York as well ironically mm. but I met him out here in Vegas so it's been a, it's been such an interesting very interesting but 
boy, I would miss being on stage. So I've been very, very lucky. I've always wanted to do the Broadway thing, and I've had a ridiculous amount of, you know, callbacks for back in the day when rent was huge. I had seven callbacks. And the seventh time, they, they would fly me. I was out in Vegas. They would send their time, fly me out to New York, and call me back again for Maureen. And I go, I'm a Mimi. Why are you calling me back for Maureen? I'm 5'2". I look Hispanic. I'm Mimi. I'm not Maureen. Anyway, so the, the seventh callback, and they, again, I sang the same stuff, and I did the same, you know, acting skin, and I looked at them, and I go, if this isn't it, if you haven't seen everything you need to see for me, I go, I'm done. I go, you guys need to hire me now because you know what I can do. And they didn't, and fine, that's fine, like that, you know, but I was sick and tired of, like, every, I would have one, I know, at least one or two calls for rent every year, and I was like, this is ridiculous. You know what I can do, either you want me or you don't. Stop calling me back. <laughs> I, I, I used to be fearless, you know, and, and so did you do, so much, did you say it like that to them? I mean, at that I point, like, I was like, look, you guys know what I can do? Just hire me. Come on. You know, it was yeah. like, you know, not, and I, I was happy. I was working in Vegas. So I was like, either hire me or leave me alone. Cause I got things to do. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. But well, I would never, like, I can't even picture myself doing that now. Because I had a, the most recent, well, I've had two little things, which most recently was uh, Jersey Boys playing Frankie Valley's wife and Jersey Boys. And again, I've had the very first audition I had was in LA. And they were like, oh my God, she's perfect, she's brilliant. We can put her in as is, she doesn't even need rehearsal. And you hear stuff like that, and you're like, I'm a doctor.
Well, that's the end of episode three featuring Janine Valentine. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you'll come back next time to hear the rest of Janine's story. In the next episode, she's got a lot of great things to say about um, maintaining confidence that I'd love to share with you. And in the meantime, you can catch Janine in the Frankie Shinta Show in Las Vegas. They perform five nights a week, Saturday through Wednesday at The D in downtown Vegas. And I'll post that information on my website so you can find out how to get tickets. Okay, now this is the time when I talk about things that I have found that inspired me, and I call them my great finds. And this week's great find is Dallas Travers. She is the self-proclaimed actor's advocate, and the title couldn't be more perfect. She's a life coach, and she's helped thousands of actors by giving them the tools to feel empowered when it comes to the business side of their careers. She teaches actors how to market themselves, ask for what they want, and set and reach their goals. She has written several articles and also created free videos and free webinars, many of which are accessible by going to her website, dallastravers.com. I've been following Dallas Travers for quite a few years now, and I just think what she is offering actors is really great, really solid, helpful, inspirational, action-oriented advice and guidance. And I think you should definitely check her out. I'll post her link on my website. Well, we're already at the end of another episode of Living the Dream Acting, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this community and joining with me in this adventure. Thanks to all of you who have joined Facebook. And if you haven't already, just go to our page, Living the Dream Acting, and like us. <laughs> Give us some love. And remember to tell your friends about Living the Dream Acting, the podcast, and livingthedreamacting.com. Remember, you can find the show on iTunes, Podbean, and right at my website, livingthedreamacting.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please write a positive review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening. I'm Christina Kipper-Halstead, and have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Living the Dream Acting, the podcast. Have questions or a story you'd like to share? We'd love to hear from you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit our website at livingthedreamacting.com.